Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Dan Haler, a very long-standing friend of mine who's director at uh, TFP Financial Planning over in Essex. Hi, Dan. How are you? Very good, Lee. Thank you for having us on. No, listen, absolute pleasure. As, as you know, this is for our clients' first, first focus podcast. And what I'm doing is I'm talking to A planners I really admire, but also businesses that are really demonstrating how progressive they are in the financial planning profession. And uh, you and I actually, of course, just caught up a few days ago and had a very convivial lunch talking about this. So perhaps you want to maybe just give a bit of background as to, to, to your journey and where TFP is at the moment. My journey started about 18, 19 years ago when I realized I wasn't as good as I wanted to be at cricket and I needed a proper job. And then actually I tried to play golf as well, and then I realized I wasn't that good at that either. So like many, I think, you know, I I, uh, fell into the financial services sector. I was very fortunate that a massive employer in Chelmsford was M&G Investments. Yeah, started off in, in asset management and kind of worked my way through really dealing with direct clients and and then going into sales and eventually working my way through into financial advisor sales. And that led me to then move through into Ignis Asset Management, where I kind of really revamped, uh, kind of vamped my career uh, up to the next level out on the road. That's where we met when I was there in the boxing ring, which I'm sure we can discuss another time. But that's where we, that's where we met. And yeah, so I spent a wonderful part of my career talking to, traveling the country, dealing with and meeting financial advisors and planners and always had a a real admiration for kind of the real, the top end guys that I'd seen. And I think during my travels, I'd seen the the good, the bad and the ugly and the progressive and not so aggressive of of the, the financial advisor space, went through the RDR journey as, as, as kind of as, as well. So saw the transformation. And I think subconsciously all in my mind, I was having, I was putting together thoughts about how I would run a financial planning business through that period. And had the opportunity to jump off that corporate treadmill, which was a very difficult journey, two or three years to kind of go from what was a pretty well-paid job, but lacking purpose in kind of my opinion for me and jumping off to come into TFP financial planning. Um, And, you know, it took me a while. I wanted to join a progressive uh, is kind of the theme, but I absolutely wanted to join a progressive financial planning business. And I'd known TFP and the people within TFP for a number of years. And yeah, the opportunity come up to to do it. So yeah, that's a kind of a, a snapshot. Started off in investment management, dealing with financial advisors, saw the wonderful work that was going on, saw the purpose that those guys had and wanted to be a part of that, but needed the right time to be able to do it. And that, that happened four years ago when I made the move out of asset management off the corporate treadmill and joined TFP. Great. And I guess one of the things that I admire about TFP and, and, and yourself, Dan, I mean, let's say we've known each other a long time, but you guys really walk the walk. You've been through the certification processes, the chartered status. How important is that to you, do you think, and to your clients? I think it's, it's massively important to us as a business. Um, we absolutely want to walk the walk. We truly believe in a human-focused financial planning business We've worked hard on this, but our purpose statement, for, for one of a better phrase, is to enrich the lives of our team, our clients, and our community. And it's team first for a reason. We want to build a wonderful business that delivers financial planning. I think many people may get it the other way around. They want to deliver a financial planning business first, but you know we want to, you know, we want to deliver a, a, or develop a wonderful business. So it's really important for us that you know that we try and get the highest 
honours that we can get being a chartered firm is, is obviously one of those. Holding the certification from Michelle Hoskins' WOW programme, the BS8577 for you know, for processes and procedures in delivering financial planning. We've just been through our recertification process and had some wonderful feedback about what we're doing and how we do it. And that's really important to us, delivering life-changing financial planning and knowing that our processes and procedures and how we do it are of a world-class standard. World-class is one of our core values. I don't know if we ever get there because world-class keeps moving all the time, but it's very much we've got, you know, we're aspirational in terms of being continuously looking at and delivering and updating uh, a world-class service for our clients. Not just words mean nothing if you're not delivering that and seeing the outcomes. And that's a big thing for us. Okay. So how do you feel clients' response? I mean, I guess that sets you a bit apart locally where you are, you know, the sheer level of certification, qualification, the aspirational thing. Are there many other firms of, of that ilk? roughly where you are out in Essex? No, so I think we're very much the only chartered and BS certified, British Standard certified financial planning business in Essex. I think it probably goes beyond that a little bit. Uh, We were also really delighted to get uh, the CityWire Top 100 advisors this year. It is important, but I don't want it to distract away from the most important thing, which is the outcomes that we can deliver our clients. I think it's a it's a lovely, wonderful internal measure that what we're doing is above the average. In fact, it's kind of top end. So it's a love, you know, it's gratifying to understand that. But we, we are absolutely laser focused on those outcomes for the clients and delivering a world class experience to them that gets them to take action and live their life. And I think if we do that bit right, this bit comes on top of it. I don't want it to be kind of flipped around the other way. But yeah, I think it's important that we set ourselves apart. I absolutely don't want to be a traditional IFA. I, I don't want to look, and I don't mean this to be detrimental, but I don't want to look, sound and feel like that. We spoke about this last week. We have a wonderful, privileged, somewhat pastoral position in our clients' families' lives. And I think the traditional way of delivering it and, and, and kind of, you know, having letters after your name and doing all of this stuff. I mean, you can have all of that and still not deliver what I think is truly important. So focus on that first. The accolades will, will come thereafter. And it just helps build the business profile, it, we, we, which is kind of what we what, what we want to do. Mm, thank you. So in terms of that messaging then, because I, I think that, I mean, personally, you've got a very, it, it shines through. You've got, you know, you're, you're very definitely, you know, love to learn, you love to improve, you want your business to improve, you want your client outcomes to improve, you want relationships to improve. How do you message that with clients, do you think? So I, look, I think the initial kind of meeting that we have with people is very, very different. The amount of comments I get off the back of that initial meeting is that it's the best conversation we've ever had about money. I never knew my wife or husband thought like that, you know, and this is the first time we've met these people. And I think the opportunity to be absolutely naturally curious, and I love people, I, I, I just kind of love people. And, and I love hearing their stories and and I'm very comfortable in silence. So it may not sound like I'm talking a lot, uh, <laughs> but I'm very comfortable in silence. I, I, I'm very happy to kind of let them breathe and, and, and answer questions. It's just something that's always been there for me. So I'm, I think I'm quite fortunate with that. But I think that that messaging in that first meeting absolutely sets us apart. And I'm seeing more and more now that people are coming to us having kind of doing a bit of a beauty parade. So 
interestingly, they're not settling for the best of a bad bunch in their local area that happens to just, they are Googling more. They are looking for more specialist help. They are wanting people that they can resonate with. And they are going in and having first meetings with, you know, with a number of financial planners. And and the overarching feedback that we get is that we focus on them. I've had numerous feedbacks that you've never asked me about how much I've got, which is interesting. They're coming in expecting to kind of dump their paperwork and talk about assets and money. And um, I don't care um, what, what they've got. It's about values and objectives. And I think this is the thing that really is, you know, that's shining through for what we do. And you mentioned kind of walking the wall. There are so many financial advisors and planning businesses that are jumping onto this kind of financial planning hook and life first, but it's just words mm. because that it's a sales technique to get people through the door. And we truly live that in our first meetings and our second meetings and our third meetings and our fourth meetings. You know, it's kind of, it's just embodies everything that we're, that we're trying to deliver. So uh, yeah, I think, the thing I struggle with, I think, you know, if, we, if we're kind of looking how to how to do this going forward is really, truly differentiating us so more people can walk through our door and experience this. Once they're through the door and they experience it, you know, it's a, it's an eye-opening experience and journey for them that we absolutely know we're going to deliver life-changing outcomes. It's just everybody looks and feels and sounds that way and, and trying to be progressive. How do we kind of then set ourselves apart? So that's kind of the next leg of the journey that we're, that we're on at the moment. Mm. So you, as I said a few minutes ago, you love to learn. So I, I guess already you're exploring, you know, that human side, the behavioral science side, which is coming into the now. I mean, it's, it's been around for a while, but it's beginning to gain traction. I guess you're probably at the forefront of that. You're bound to be on a learning curve there. I think it's the most important part of my job. I can be diploma chartered, certified. I can be kind of whatever you want, I think. You can have the technical chops and that's table stakes, as the Americans would say. I don't think it delivers life-changing outcomes. I think, you know, anything that you can Google is information and people can go get it. I'm a big believer that you, you can't Google wisdom. I think behavioral finance, human-focused financial planning, and it isn't just about investments. I mean, people, people kind of pigeonhole behavior as investments and, you know, behavioral finance 101 is stop people from selling in a falling market, quite relevant right now. But I mean, that's just, it's just wrong. I mean, it's one part, it's, it, there's so much more to it. So for me in particular, I'm on a journey with with people that we know very well, um, delivering- Shaping wealth. Uh, shaping wealth, yeah. Building the behavioral advisor and really understanding the real intricacies of the human mind and how it relates to their journey and their finances. Because- if we don't understand that stuff, if we don't understand the the real true kind of meaningful life, what they want to achieve, what contentment means, what fulfillment means, then any recommendations that we make with the technical chops is going to be irrelevant. So, you know, and that thing, though those things I'm implementing are, they're life-changing conversations for me with clients. You know, what may have taken two years to to kind of get out of a client previously is now taking me a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and one of the really simple things I've started doing a lot is asking people what they don't like and what they don't want rather than what they do want. What are your goals? Actually, what, what, what have you observed a retirement that you thought didn't go very well? And what don't you want? And, and, that, and, and, and kind of tapping into that area, understanding some of the triggers, it's just, it, it, it's unbelievable work. And, and, I think it's a bit of a disservice focusing on the money and just going into products because 
unless you get to the root of stuff, uh, it, it doesn't change the problem. Mm. I mean, we, we can we can beyond any reasonable doubt prove to people that they've got enough money and they can go and spend their money on whatever they want. But what's the reason why these people don't? Because <laughs> there's lots of people that don't. And until you unlock that and you understand what truly their purpose is and what they believe is contentment and fulfillment and how they want to fund that, then no, 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 no financial plan that you build through software or put down on a one page is ever going to do anything. So yeah, that, that's, I want to master that craft. Um, I'm not sure I ever will. I think it's ever going to change. Uh, it's going to be changing, but I, th- I think that's the life changing stuff. Yeah. And it's that thing of, you know, the aspiration, everything's iterative, everything improves. Hopefully we all strive to be better. And I think that's, that's what shines through with you guys. Might just touch if you're happy to on, you've got a progressive charging structure, less mm. dependent on assets and, and that kind of thing, which is maybe doesn't impact you in a way getting clients to, to spend money that, that they might not otherwise do. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah. So this is kind of where I put my tin hat on when I, when I start talking about this, because <laughs> I think there's, there's nothing that creates emotional responses with the UK financial advisory space and talking about fees. But look, I'm through my journey over the last 10, 12 years or so speaking with financial advisors, I never understood percentage charging. And I never understood why you would charge on something that you have no control over. And I never understood why someone with more money pays more fee for the same service. We are a service-based profession and fee should reflect the service. So that's my opinion. Um, uh, but mm-hmm. so our fee, you know, I think one of the reasons why I joined TFP and we talk about progressive, um, I had a vision in my head that if I had launched or was part of a financial planning business, it would be fixed fees and it would be fees based on service, not the amount you pay is not dictated by how much you've got. And I was very fortunate. I've known Casey Mills, the other director, for, for, for a number of years. And I've had, I talked to him about this stuff well before I was, well before I moved into the business. So yeah, so uh, you know, our fee structure is fixed fees based entirely on their situation, and so you know, we, I don't believe in benefiting from clients' wealth by charging a percentage of assets. I think there's always conflicts of interest in any fee structure that you do, but I believe there are much less conflicts of interest in our fee structure for our ideal clients, people that are you know that are setting up their portfolio to draw income from than saying percentage fees. I can hold 500 grand in cash for somebody and not get paid on it because our fee is, you know, I've seen, I've come across portfolios that just look ridiculous because it's all based on a percentage charge. So, so yeah, I think, you know, for us, it's ensuring that our relationship is with the client and their family, not with their money. And I don't really care how much money you've got our fee is our fee for the service that we provide that we believe is a service that can help you achieve what you want to achieve. And that goes from initial kind of financial planning to implementation of the plan all the way through to a fixed ongoing fee for the ongoing service that that we provide. And yeah, it's somewhat it's still it's somewhat progressive still, which is quite interesting. And <laughs> you know, and I think there's a there's a movement towards this, which I I, I really do commend. But for me, if I'm a human-focused financial planner and I want to change someone's life, I shouldn't charge and focus on their investments because it's it's not investment-led financial planning. I, I want to kind of, you know, that it, it's about them um, yeah. and the service that we provide them. Does that make sense? It, listen, it makes total sense. Thank you. I, I know what you mean about the tin hat thing. I, I had something similar. I spoke at a conference ages ago and just said, I was asked, posed a question if I started again. 
as a financial planner, how could I build my business? And I, I talked about revisiting that whole fee structure. And then of course I got flayed on one of the, in one of the trades for it because I, I just deigned to explore things might be different, particularly for younger people, but hey, robust debate is good. Just on that, you know, everybody, again, this walk the walk thing, I think is really interesting. So if we truly believe that as a financial planning profession, that our relationship has to be with the client, it needs to be focused on their life values, on their objectives, then why are we charging on their assets? I can't square it in my head. And I'm, I'm proud of what we do. And, and I think it is progressive. And actually, we have taken clients on that have been looking for a fee charging structure like this for ages and have actually not gone to work with a financial planner because they didn't want to get percentage fees ripped out of their assets. And these are high net worth people, right? These are high net worth people that know that I'm going to pay an initial fee of 20, 30,000 pounds. I'm going to pay an ongoing fee of 20, 30,000 pounds. And, and, and I don't think that, you know, these guys are going, well, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I can't square that off in my head that that's going to cost that amount of money to deliver this. So that's just my takeaway. I think it just, it fits absolutely in with saying it's your values, your objectives. It's not about your money. It's about you as a human, about your family. And I can now, without any bias in my head, be truly present in this because it's not about your money. I think I shared the story. I, I took a client on that I had no idea how much he had. And he had a net worth of 25 million quid. He had investments kind of totaling 15 million quid. I mean, not, I mean, he's not ultra high. There's plenty of people that are but he sent me a message back saying, he went in his car, phoned me up on the way back to his home, said, I'd really like to work with you. And I, and I knew he'd been and seen some other financial planners. And I said, oh, what, what made it? And he said, the fact you've still not asked me how much I've got. Yeah, yeah. Like the first question that people asked him was, how much have you got? Because they want to link a percentage fee to it. That's in his mind. I'm not saying this is true. That's kind of in yeah. his mind. So to me, that's the progression that we need to go down. Thank you for expanding. So as we wander towards the close, I love these types of questions. What would you hope your clients said about you when you weren't in the room? Final question, I promise. Do you know what? It sounds really corny, but I'd hope that they would want to go for a beer with me or a nice lunch or yeah. a nice dinner. I'd hope that they would feel that they would take this out of a work-based environment and feel comfortable in kind of talking to me about anything. Completely social setting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that would be, I'm not in this to kind of make loads of friends by any stretch of the imagination. It's lovely. It's a byproduct. And I think we, we shared stories of you being to weddings and funerals and all of the good and bad things that you have with a client because you build that. It's beyond trusted relationship mm. that you build with these people. But I think if, if, if I've achieved one, if I've achieved a couple of things, one, I absolutely get a sense that they're in a much better place from meeting me. And they would want to hang out with me a bit in a social way. That would be lovely. Brilliant. Well, what a great way to end. Dan, listen, you and I, as we did the other day, can talk for hours. But listen, thank you so much for appearing on the First Focus podcast. It's been great talking to you. And I hope to see you soon. Cheers, Lee. Thank you.